Cool. Okay, and we're here, and you're there, and Dylan, you have a catchphrase. It's, it's not so much a catchphrase, John, as it is the the, the, the mantra of the, the, the puck. Anyway, the tagline. What is it? Say it quick. We're running out of time. It's a tongue twister. Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. Join with me, as always, is my friend and lover of all things stringed. John Gillen. John, yes, how are yes. you today? All things stringed. I'm doing well. I am not his lover, per se. I believe my wife and his girlfriend would have something to say about that. However, they would. They would. If we got more into like other instruments, we could definitely call the podcast All Things Stringed, but it's way too, it's way too late for that. Yes. I don't know We're enough about, getting... say, violin to be able to make that happen. So. Getting... <laughs> getting... Yeah, being... We're getting <laughs> off topic. Here. Come on. Well, anyway, we focus. are. Yes. Focus. John. I'm going to you. It was your decision for to switch the order of uh, lick of the week. So it it's it's your go again. So I'm going to listen to your lick of the week that you have chosen. Have you anything to say about it before? Um, I'm going to say that it, I've been on sort of a '70s kick at the moment. Okay. So there's a little bit of a throwback vibe here, but one of the best session guitarists and for one of the best session bands, I think. So. That's there's your that's hint. Qu- that's quite the hint. Uh, okay, it basically boils it down to two bands from the 70s. So. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, so I have got it here and I'm going to click on it and it's going to sound. Uh-uh-uh. Hit it. So I'm going to guess, is that Toto? No. No? Wrong studio band. Uh, who is it? That is Steely Dan. Really? Yeah. So that's off of the album, The Royal Scam. And Jace, that, what's his name? Walter Becker? Yeah, except that solo is Larry Carlton. Uh-huh. I've definitely heard that name. Yeah. And that's that album was 1976 okay and that solo is kid charlemagne one of the first steely dan solos i actually learned partly because steve luther pointed to it and said i heard that and my face melted and i went huh okay so if steve luther's face kind of fell off after hearing that i figured i should give it a look that's 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 a wise wise decision to make um i know very little about Steely Dan. I know that nerds love them. Uh, they're a real, they're a real muso musician nerd band that I never really got into. I think I tried. I remember I tried getting into them when I was younger and playing drums. And one of their albums with Steve Gadd on it was on this. You have to listen to this album list. And I yeah. thought it was just it just wasn't my thing, and I never really went back. But I know when is it Walter Becker, the guitar player? Uh, yes, of of when the he, two, you know, it's Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, who are right. kind of the the overall composers of everything. And then they would just bring in the best of the best in L.A. Okay, and that's you know, like Bernard Purdy played on all the drum tracks cool. on that album. So wow. 
yeah, it was ridiculous. Denny Diaz and Larry Carlton covered a lot of the guitar parts, you know, two legends of the, the session scene, particularly that time period. And Larry Carlton, fantastic jazz fusion guitar player as well. So mind melting stuff on that record. I, for, for me, that's my favorite album of theirs, which is kind of a weird, most people don't point to that one. You know, it's usually Asia or something like that, but that's, yeah. it, that's probably my favorite Steely Dan album. No, I'm, I'm, I really liked what that, that brief clip from Kid Charlemagne <laughs> had a, uh, the playing over the changes was really, really tasty. So I, I, I do like yeah. that. It's not just wanking for wanking's sake. There's it's tasteful wanking. So fair play, <laughs> not nice, nice choice. Um, so we're going to for pedal talk this week. We are talking about a little bit something a bit different. Uh, friends, for those of you that don't that don't know, we did a episode on building our own budget pedal boards, which we completely ripped off that pedal show. Uh, and it's we built true. Our I think Andertons did one as well. So, or whoever yeah. it was, yeah, yeah, you know, all art is, is is theft. That's that's what we're trying to say here. So <laughs> we are no different, uh, and yeah, certainly so, not above it. Yes. So John and I made our own budget pedal boards with a limited budget of was it two hundred and fifty or three hundred? Two hundred and fifty euro dollars. Yes, and John got really uppity because I put a wah on my. Uh, he got really attitude. Not so much uppity, but I just I felt like that was a mismanagement of your funds. That's all. I would yeah, okay. judge how you spend your money. That's that's <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> so we decided to do. We're doing an episode now on well, not a full episode, but we're doing a pedal talk on cheaper pedals. And in doing some, we tracked down some recent lists of best cheap pedals out there because you know there's a lot of pedals out there. There's a lot of crap. And uh, so, John, was there anything that stuck out to you from our research of cheaper pedals? Yeah, one of the articles that we came across, uh, well, that you came across and then forwarded on to me, to be fair, was... Is the heavy one? Yeah, the heavy one. Um, heavy.com, I guess. Is that, mm. is that the right? But I believe the, that's the... Okay. Yeah. So, at any rate... There's a YouTube video there, a side-by-side -side comparison of a Joyo. Uh, what's what's the name of the pedal again? It's a Ultimate Drive. The Ultimate Drive, right? Which side-by-side -side with an OCD. And now I'm going to sound like a complete ass, but to be honest, I think I can hear a difference between the two. I think the OCD is a little bit clearer, and I think the OC uh, the Joyo has like a little bit too much mid compression for my liking. However. That said, it's a really good copy. And at half the price, to be honest, I don't think you can go wrong. So if you want to be a little bit snooty about it and you've got a few extra quid that you can throw at a clean boost or, or an overdrive, I would say go with the full tone. But honestly, for 35 bucks, new, that's new, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think you can really go wrong with the ultimate drive. Yes, so. uh, friends, friends and long listeners of the show, all two of you, you will remember that uh, I picked the Ultimate Drive for my budget board because of the kind of comparison to it. I just, I really like the sound of the OCD, but it's almost 200 new. So yeah. I think you're getting, a, you're getting a lot for much less. Um, not a lot more, but you're getting a good chunk of what makes the OCD so sweet. Um, yeah, for those of you that don't know, Moore uh, are... Uh, Chinese company, uh, basically, they 
I don't know, they basically make clones of pedals. Um, I have not experienced a lot of them, but I did get the the more green mile, and um, which is the tube screamer clone, and right. it sounded it sounded really good coming out of everyone else's guitar but me because I lent it to a few friends, and it's a really popular clone pedal, possibly the most popular one out there. Uh, but for my BB Bandit, it just did not do good at all. But that again, not a great amp, very much a budget amp, and when you put right. a weak pedal in front of it, yeah, I'm, I I was young and stupid. Um, well, I, so, I picked the Green Mile for my pedal board as well because I was so yeah, impressed with, with the punch that it packed and and the, the more Hustle Drive as well, which is their OCD clone, which, again, I think is a great pedal as well. And to be honest, I think I picked the Hustle Drive because you had already picked <laughs> the, yeah. the Drio, <laughs> which, uh, but they, sound, they both sound really good, to be honest. And I think Moore's, Moore's stuff has... And Joyo, honestly. Joyo, I think, has come a long way, even in just the last two years. Like, their delay pedals, um, are, I'm, I've, I've been impressed with. It's, it's, a whole new, it's a whole new world, Dylan. A whole new world. A new fantastic really point is. of view. Um, second verse, can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, no, I really like what they're doing. I just really like that. I think I can come into, we talked about this before, a lot of pedal brands can kind of get away with just putting their name on something that's, you know, not top quality, but because it is a, you know, maybe I'm trying to think of a, an example, like maybe an electro harmonics, they can really, they can put on the, you know, the, 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 the name of it and they can really charge what they want. While these guys, it really is, you know, basics. And yeah. for example, they're they're it's it's like they they had a boost pedal that came out last year called the Roll Boost, and it's was voted one of the best boost pedals of 2016. And it's just one knob, it's just one knob and a foot switch, and that's it. It's like Simple. thirty dollars. But you know, that said, I, I was kind of surprised yeah. again by the list, and that that same one had an electro harmonics pedal on it. And which one was it? I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I, I thought we froze there for a second. Um, no, it no, was the just... Soul Food, which I think was another one of your picks, wasn't oh, it? Oh yes, of course. Sorry, I fucking love that pedal. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, I, I take it back. I'm sorry, Electroharmonics. You guys yeah. do great work. <laughs> I totally forgot that was an Electroharmonics pedal. Yeah, it no, is. Um, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's a really it's a really really nice sound, just like nice and fat. And I know we don't want to use the word warm, but it's a very warm sounding pedal. And, <laughs> right. and yeah, I think you can I, find it I for like, about you know, fifty bucks used. Yeah, which is crazy, you know, for for what you're getting. It's it's quite kind of you know it's it's inspiring to see all this stuff coming out. Um. Also, like with all the the cheaper DC models that you have coming out. Well, you know mm. the 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 miniature versions you can still use a tone print for any of them like you can still get a plethora of sounds without right. with only one knob like it's it's crazy so yeah i think and one thing i did notice that came up on a few of those lists was the metal zone because <laughs> it is it is it is very cheap um but you know whatever it's it's what you it's, it's kind of you know it's 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 a it's a sound that some people can gravitate towards but it's, it's not not for everyone no, no, I, and it's it seems to be particularly inflexible as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a, a brute of a pedal. 
to be honest, I, I, I sort of feel like I would steer away from some of the classic ones, like an MXR, if I'm trying to keep keep a budget board together. Yeah. Just because I feel like MXR is kind of a decent middle of the road, but I, for what you get, I kind of feel like it's a little bit overpriced. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I'd be more inclined to, to spend similar money on something like a, like an electro harmonics pedal or, you know, a friend of, friend of the show recently, Matty O'Callaghan recently purchased the tube screamer mini, which turned Mm -hmm. out to be a fantastic pedal as well. So these mini pedals, I think are are great ways to go if you're on a budget. And that was, that was a big chunk of what we both did for our boards, I think as well. Yeah. One thing as well, just a shout out to them before, we move on. Is um, have you heard of Hotone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Hot One, or whatever. <laughs> I always thought it was uh, well, Hot One makes more sense, but some. Yes. Uh, so, so the guy who told me about them called them Hotone, so I thought he knew what he was talking about. Uh, but he had like seven or eight of them on his board, and I was like, I forgot that the space really is like it's it's a factor. You can fit. A lot of them sounded really good, like really, really nice. Yeah, the, the guys from Andertons talked about them as well. Uh, but of course, they also had the debate as to whether or not it was Hotone or Hot One. So, oh, really? <laughs> I got to go check that out. If, if they're not sure, I think we can safely say that we don't have to be sure either. So, um, There's one as well that I just found, just looking back at that list, um, Moen Technology. Have you heard about them? Um, like a, no, no. They I have haven't. a. I've never heard of them before. It's it looks their their font is actually off-puttingly similar to Moore, but they have what they call the. It's called the Shaky Jimmy, and it is essentially uh, a chorus and uh, vibrato pedal. Uh, but it's it's like it basically goes for the Jimi Hendrix sound. It looks really interesting, and it's like sixty dollars. So, um, yeah, that just looks really interesting. There's lots of, uh, of reviews of it up. Uh, cool, man. I, I, I really, I, I can't wait to get back from Vietnam and spend all of my money on guitar pedals. Uh, <laughs> on cheap, cheap micro guitar pedals. Yeah, man, I'm going to have, like, six boards of, you know, 200 pedals. i going to buy them all. I'm going to, like, work a shift and get $30 and or, like, give a lesson and get 20 euro and spend it all on miniature guitar pedals. I'm gonna it be, sounds I'm gonna like the way to go. I think so. I, I think that's the best life decision I can make right now. <laughs> <laughs> John, for our guest for today, can you tell me how did... So one of the first things you ever said to me was that you were going to do an assignment on for, for our college course on Weird Al Yankovic. And that's when I knew you were a pretty stand-up guy. So, <laughs> Of course. Your love of, Weird, your love of Weird Al kind of supersedes... Um, that of most people so can you tell us why we have jim west the lovely jim west uh, who gave us a good chunk of his time to talk to us about all sorts of things but why what first attracted you to the world of weird al and his music um i think sort of the same thing that attracts most teenage boys to weird al is that it's ridiculous over the top humor and making fun of other songs because i think most of us probably do that anyway we pick a song and we make fun of it we changed he the just made a career out of it. And yeah, and so there was something, something about the magic of this guy doing that. But I do distinctly remember, and I think I even mentioned it on the interview, hearing a solo from his Alapalooza album. And I think it was Traffic Jam. And 
Jim West just throws the kitchen sink at it. So not only can he play everything that's out there in every style possible. I mean, if, if there's a cover band artist that is like the pen or the ultimate cover band guitar player that can play anything in any style, it's Jim West. But that particular solo on traffic jam was like, there's tapping and sweeping and just speed runs on it. And it's, <laughs> it's like literally he pulled every trick that he could possibly think of out of the bag and threw it into one solo. And I just remember I hadn't even started playing guitar at that point, And it just blew my mind. It was like, Holy cow. I didn't even know that was possible that you could do that on guitar. Um, and then anyway, but I thought, Hey, it would be great. This guy that I've always thought is kind of an underrated guitar player it would be great to, to sit down and talk with him and find out, you know, what it, what is it like doing Weird Al's parodies and doing uh, originals with him and all that stuff. I thought it would be, thought it would be fascinating and turned out to be a really great guy. He's also a fantastic slack key guitar player, which is something neither one of us knew too much about. Nothing. But he was Fact kind enough. To, <laughs> other than that, it was a thing and I knew very little about it. But he... He generously gave uh, a bunch of his time, talked about all those things, and I think you guys will find it fascinating as well. Yes, so without further ado, Jim West of the Weird Al Yankovic Band. Okay. We're recording. We're recording, and we are here recording with Mr. Jim West. Many of you, or maybe none of you, or some of you, who knows, uh, would be familiar with his work with Weird Al Yankovic, but he's also got several solo projects. He's done a lot of film scoring over the years and a master of slack key guitar. So, Mr. West, welcome. Mahalo. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, in, in, Hawaii, uh, in Hawaii, they call me Kimo. So lately I've been using Jim Kimo West because, you know, the Al fans know me as Jim, and then Hawaii they know me as Kimo, which is basically what you – call somebody who's Jim or James, they don't, you know, speaking of consonants, Dylan and I were talking about consonants. Um, <laughs> Hawaii doesn't have all the same consonants that we have in Hawaiian language. So they don't have a J. So if you're a James or Jim, they call you chemo. So I'm chemo and cool. I'm chemo in Hawaii and Jim on the mainland. So I just go by Jim chemo West. <laughs> See, our podcast isn't just guitar guys. <laughs> language in everything. Yeah, got- Hawaiian language. Yeah. Yeah. Do you spend much time in Hawaii, Jim? You know, I, I started going to Hawaii many, many years ago, and um, uh, I lived there for a while, so I have a real connection with Hawaii, and I, uh, you know, it feels like home. I mean, even when I go back, people go, welcome home, you know, and I really feel like home. So I, I'm usually there two or three times a year, and sometimes it's just to chill out. Sometimes I play some shows there. Cool. Uh, but, you know, with the Weird Al tour has never made it to Hawaii. and Oh, really? Uh, too bad. Yeah, we've never, you know, we've played every state except Hawaii, so. And you've been Maybe all day. over the world with it too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. Maybe it's time. I think it's time. <laughs> Jim, one of my biggest regrets about missing, I think you finished your last tour in Bicker Street in Dublin, I believe. You finished your last kind of international tour or one yeah. of the last dates. Uh, that was one of the last dates. I think it wasn't, I think it was the second of the last date and I believe Glasgow might've been so the close. last date. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that a couple of years back, and I've been kicking myself ever since. Um, so I, I, are you guys about to go on tour? Yeah, we have a tour starting at the end of February, and um, it's, uh, it's going to be completely different. It's not the normal big media you know, extravaganza that we've done before. It's really going to be just an intimate show of us playing, sitting down and playing 
mostly Al's original songs, which are, are really good. But of course, everybody's, you know, he's known for his parodies. So there will be very little in the parody department and mostly his original. So it's going to be completely different than anything we've ever done. You know, though, I think some of, uh, some of your guys' best work and yours in particular are, are on those originals. So I've always really enjoyed them personally. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of excited for this tour. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. A little bit of a... Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work because Al wants to have a different set every night. So oh, that, wow. in, that involves... Wow. Um, it's like know, Metallica. That, that, <laughs> that involves learning a lot of songs. And uh, I think right now we're up around 60 or so songs that we're going to learn. And even though, you know, even though there's some of them we've played before live, but a lot of them, I would say most of them, we've never played live. Now, we played them on the albums, but that was, you know, so long ago. I don't even remember what I played on those. I have to re <laughs> relearn them, you know. I have to put, the, put them on. It's like I'm just learning a brand new song. And I go, oh, that's kind of cool. I, you know, I don't even remember <laughs> playing those parts. You know? <laughs> so, anyway. Can, it's gonna can be you give us a little preview? What, some, what might some of those be? Well, uh, gee, um, you know. I'll tell you, we're not going to do hardware store because that's impossible to see. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Al, when Al designed that song, he designed it as a song that would be impossible to play live because there's no place to no. breathe. Just constantly, constantly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, we're not going to do that. You know? But we will be doing some other ones. And I know I was working on the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So oh, my gosh. That's I don't classic. Wanna, I don't want to leak too many secrets. But we have played that one live before, and that's a – that's just a classic. I mean, that is a classic tune. So that's going to be in there. Will you be doing like the, the 14 minute ones like Albuquerque? It's possible. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> there, yeah, there's a couple epic one, you know, a couple of owls, you know, he, he, he almost, uh, he started doing that a while back where almost every album would have one of these epic long, you know, 10 to 14 minute pieces, you know, that just ramble on. You know? So I think we'll be doing a couple of those. <laughs> So, Jim, how long have you been Al's guitar player? Well, I, you know, I hate to date myself, but I actually started playing with Al in, like, 1982, if you can believe that. Wow. Yeah. Um, at the time, I, I had just moved to L.A., and uh, I was, you know, a young guy, and I just moved to L.A., and I, you know, was trying to play with anybody and everybody, and, and all of a sudden, this guy who plays accordion needed a guitar player, and... <laughs> And yeah, you know, I, and it was like, well, does he have gigs? And it was like, yeah, he's got some paying gigs. Oh, okay, good. You know? <laughs> but after I, um, it was interesting though. You know, when I started rehearsing with Al, and this is way back, I, and you know, he was really young too. And I, you know, I started, I was started listening to the lyrics, and it's like, wow, this, these are very well crafted songs. You know, he's, you know, this guy's, you know, he's a novelty act, but at the same time, these are very, very well done. You know, and so I was always, I was impressed with, with his work right from the beginning, you know, and, you know, I the last thing I expected was to sort of get into, you know, comedy music, but Al's got a lot of influences like Frank Zappa and, you know, people like that. And I can, you know, I can, I can relate to his brand of comedy. You know, I think he's, he's very, very, uh, he's such a genius at it. It's infectious. It's really absolutely like a, well. And it seems some of the music is really demanding. So I've always been really impressed about your flexibility to go from you know everything from Devo <laughs> to the truck driving song, you know, like yeah. to Nirvana stuff to uh, to Nirvana to the, the the metal, the rock and roll. I was talking with you before we started recording. Sure, yeah. Solo from Traffic Jam, which is just like 
kitchen sink. Like everything. <laughs> there's tapping. There's shred. There's some sweet picking. There's <laughs> bombs. There's everything in the solo. It's crazy. Well, I uh, yeah, you know the great thing about playing with Al is you get to you get to play all these different styles, but you really have to you know try to. You really have to try to be that style, you know. That's that's it's it's more it's more than just playing the notes. It's really like you've got to really get into the, you know, the the whole intention behind those styles and really try to to do it, make it to be make it convincing, you know. So there's a bit of a challenge. I mean, for me, I'm lucky that he never did any Alan Holdsworth parodies. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, you know, <laughs> friend of the show, Alan Holdsworth. I don't, I don't know how you make an Alan Holdsworth parody with syntax. Well, luckily, um, I never, I never had to uh, learn something like that. I mean, I would say, you know, the music is 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 more challenging, not so much technically as it is just like stylistically. You know, the challenge <laughs> is really to to get these styles and make them very, you know, as believable as possible. You know, that's really the big challenge. And, you know, he hasn't, there's certainly some things that are technically challenging, but not, you know, not on the level of Alan Holdsworth or something like that. Right. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah. So with all these styles that you have to play, would you be considered sort of a gearhead? Would you like have a, have a lot of effects to try and recreate all these songs? Well, you know, I have over the years, uh, um, you know, I've done, um, I've tried different things, uh, you know, live, of course, in the studio, you can just bring in whatever you think is going to work best, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of different amps and effects and things like that, but um, live, it's a little trickier because you just can't bring everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So, in, 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 in for many years, I've always relied on, for a long time, I, I relied on, um, basically, you know, back when they, people had these rack systems, you know, you'd have like, three or four preamps and a bunch of different effects and all this stuff in a rack. And it was all controlled by like a, a I think I used to use a Rocktron all access MIDI switcher, but it was, you know, one of these switching systems where yeah. you know, that gave me a lot of flexibility, you know, and a few pedals on the, you know, on the floor too, but that gave me a lot of flexibility and it was all in one box and you could, but you know, it was very complicated. Um, um, and you know, the more complicated it is, the more, chance there are for problems because when you're moving from place to place every night things get jiggled around in the truck mm -hmm. and things get broken unplugged you know it's just the more complex your system is the more chances there are for for problems you know so that was always uh, a little dicey but so the last number of years i've just been um using fractal axe effects and, and they're very simple um uh, you know the edge uses mostly that nowadays on uh, with uh, u2 wow. um <clears throat> they're essentially um um, a box basically that that is has basically sampled every kind of amp and speaker and effect and um, uh, and very very realistically I mean you have to work with it and, and do spend you know you got to spend your time to program it for your um, not only for your style but for your whatever guitar you're using you know because that's mm -hmm. going to change the sound depending on what guitar you're putting into it but I've been using a uh, fractal axe of axes I have two of them just because I have on touring you have to have two of everything you know basically. <laughs> You know, if that's why you always see shows and you always see everybody's got two amps up there or whatever, you know, one yeah, is yeah. always a backup because the show has to go on. And if something happens in the middle of the show, you got to be able to just switch over to the other one, you know. So I use fractal axe effects and the fractal switcher. And, um, you know, I can program a whole set or I can program a whole show and I can step between banks for different shows, and different kinds of gigs. 
Um, it's very, very flexible. It's, you know, it's not, a, it's not a, a, an inexpensive thing. It's kind of a, a, an investment, but, but, you know, instead of carrying around all this stuff, now you're just, I have a small rack with the two ax effects and I have a, uh, you know, um, basically a power supply and a wireless receiver thing. And, you know, there's not much and like a six space rack is what I carry around. Um, nice. I don't, I don't use any speakers. I mean, you can, with fractal axe effects, you can use speaker setups. You can even use power amps and stuff if you tap it at the right place. But um, we're, we're using ear monitors, so I have no real need to go to a speaker, you know. So basically, I, I hear my guitar, basically just beautiful stereo in my headphones. It sounds amazing, you know. So it's very inspiring to play, and, and the sound guys love it because there's no speaker on stage creating a lot of racket. You know, it's just pure you know so into the desk yeah that sounds I, great. a lot of people are using them metallica uses them now they even the bass player uses them um and they say they've saved so much money in shipping because of flying all the gear around the world now they just fly these little racks and they don't have to uh carry all that weight and and they do sound good i i was watching um i saw you two uh, a while back i was probably eight or nine months ago um on uh I'm not sure if it was late night with Jimmy Fallon or one of the late night shows. And, you know, and I was going, man, Edge's guitar sounds great. You know, he's really sound, got a good sound. And then they, the camera panned over and then there was his rack of fractals. <laughs> it was like, there you go. <laughs> it's really something when the Edge who, you know, in the, the early 90s had walls of pedals and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, has gone down to that. Technology is yeah. amazing. Has that freed up? your guys' performance then as well? I mean, aside from the fact that now you don't have all that stuff, is it, has Al sort of taken advantage of that and sort of had you guys do more show-oriented things? No, well, I mean, he's not really involved so much in, in what we're using on stage or geared sounds, but, but I know he must appreciate the fact that I can, I can get a bigger variety of sounds now. There were just certain things like, you know, if I wanted a really, really metal amp, you know, I didn't have that in my rig. You know, I had more of a, Marshall type of metal sound, but I didn't have like a diesel or one of those kind of you know real metal yeah yeah so with the with the fractal, I have all that stuff I mean I can go from a pure vintage fender to a screaming metal you know anything you want you know so so that's given the show I think I think it you know it helps because I can just get way more sounds and way more uh cover way more sounds and without uh, carrying a lot of gear and Al likes Perfect. the fact that we're not especially if we're flying, you know, if we're flying places like to Europe, you know, carrying tons of heavy speakers and amps and stuff is just expensive, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so I can, I can fly with this setup very, very easily. And it's, uh, you know, quite nice. And the guys at Fractal are just geniuses. They're just, you know, uh, I played around for, with this kind of modeling stuff for years and I was always, you know, kind of like interested and I would use it sometimes in recording, but it was, it had never gotten to the point where I thought it was usable live. I just thought, mm -hmm. no, it's just not going to be comfortable. But once I started, tried the fractal, it was like, oh, this really is comfortable. It really does sound good and, and makes me, you know, feel, inspire me to play. So that's what um, you want. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing. It's, it's got to feel, it's got to sound and feel good to you um, to make you play better, you know? So it's, I think it has got to that point now. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a community of users, of course, so everybody shares, yeah. shares their presets and all that, you know, you know, you can download them. 
Yeah. So, so anyway, that's, that's sort of the, uh, the big thing for me with, uh, with Al on the last couple of tours was the, uh, using fractal and, mm-hmm. um, um, what kind of guitar are you playing or do you have a well, multitude? Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I, I do rely on a couple mainstay guitars that, that are, um, both, they're both Tom Anderson guitars. Um, okay. he's a, he's a small custom maker near Los Angeles and he's been making guitars for years and, they're very high quality. Uh, my the, my main guitar is, it's a Strat style, but it's got a humbucker in the bridge, and the two single coils are actually stacked humbuckers, but they can be switched um, to sound nice. like coils. It has a multitude of sonic possibilities, and they're beautifully you know solid wood necks, and everything's very yeah. you know real nice custom guitars. So. Um, and the, the Tom Anderson, the model I have has a, a really nice feature where you can set up a rhythm sound. It's got three toggle switches that are three position. Holy cow. And so you, you can get a, a multitude of sounds, whether it's a you know, humbuck or a split or whatever. But then it's got one switch they call a blower switch. And if you want to just yep. go from, from your rhythm sound into a full-on bridge humbucker, you just hit that one switch and bang, you're into a, a solo overdrive uh you know powerful sound then click the switch back and you're back to a nice clean rhythm you know great so it's really uh it's it's not like it's engaging a preamp it's all passive but it's uh it just it gives you that full-on yeah it gives you that full-on bridge humbucker you know yeah so it's like you can preset a rhythm and then go over to the bridge humbucker for a solo and back you know so that's very convenient and i've got uh, another one that's a telecaster version um but then also on this tour i'll have specialty guitars um, I might be bringing, um, uh, last tour I brought, I have a Dan Electro, uh, it's a reissue, but it's a baritone, six string baritone. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, um, I use that on the original song, Dare to be Stupid. And, um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, cause it has, that's what I used on the solo is a, you know, a Dan Electro baritone. So that's a beautiful sounding guitar. I have a couple of, um, um, reissue strats that I might bring. I'll probably bring at least one of those, um, for, you know, for the real, Stratty Strat sounds, you know, real Fender sounds. Uh, one of them, so they're both Japanese. They're really beautifully made. Um, they were made back in the 80s, but and this compass factory in Japan called Fuji Gen, this factory was used to make these incredible Fender knockoffs that were just better than, at the time, better than what Fender was making, you know? Wow. And, and so they are, you know, fabulous guitars uh, fender eventually went over there to originally i think to shut them shut them down but they realized, they realized how how good the guitars were and they said well you guys need to be fender japan so now then they started putting fender on the guitars. gotcha <laughs> but, the, but they're essentially um basically as good as custom shop guitars and you can find them on ebay for four or five hundred bucks you know they're wow fabulous <laughs> excuse me a minute <laughs> yeah yeah they're called they usually go by the term mij made in japan and you know, so you'll find some that are Fenders, actual Fender logos, and then you'll some that are, might be Fernandez or something like that. Oh, but, yeah, they're, they're beautifully, beautifully made guitars. So I'll probably bring one of those, and then of course an acoustic or two. And um, I use uh, I have a I, I mostly use Taylor acoustics when I travel yeah. and do live shows. Um, so I have a Taylor a couple. I'll probably bring a couple of uh, Taylors with me and. Um, um, we're not doing a polka this time, so I'm not bringing my banjo. I usually have a banjo. <laughs> that was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, it's, it, it sort of depends on, on how the rehearsals go and what songs we're doing, but I'm all, you know, I won't not bringing a huge number of guitars, but I'll bring, you know, I'll probably bring 
six, maybe something like that. Sweet. You have such a committed fan base, like such a, an eclectic group of people that would turn up to see you. Can you just, can you say a little bit about like the, the, the fans reaction and support to you over the years? Cause it's really what you're doing. Like it's essentially kind of parody music, but you are the biggest parody act on the planet probably. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest so. <laughs> now as well. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, that's one thing I can say is that, you know, going to a show with an Al show, it's, it's incredible that it's the demographic is all the way from, you know, four-year-olds to 80-year-olds. You know, you have every demographic. And it's, it's amazing because, you know, Al started out so long ago. He's got fans, people who were fans back then. Now they've got kids. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they have grandkids now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But yeah. the demographic is crazy all over the place. You know, I think, um, you know, maybe not for this upcoming tour, but I think for a lot of the tours, uh, it was such a spectacle that even a four-year-old would enjoy it, you know, because there was costumes and lighting and video. Stormtroopers. Everything. My yeah. first concert was a Weird Al concert. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> yeah. What year was that, John? Uh, that was on the Running With Scissors tour. Oh, wow. Yeah. How so, about that? No. Uh, no, I did see the Running With Scissors tour. I think that was the Alapalooza tour, actually. Right, right, Alapalooza. Because so, yeah. Running With Scissors was, or what year was Running With Scissors? I don't even remember yeah. now. Um, oh, geez, Running With Scissors, that was, uh, God, you got me. I'll have to look it up. It's been, you know, there's so many records. I just, I just go <laughs> by in a blur, <laughs> records and tours, you know. It was 99. So I was going to say late 90s. Actually, I think it would have been the Bad Hair Day tour. So oh, okay. I did see the Running with Scissors tour the following one. So yeah, yeah. yeah bad, bad Hair Day had the uh, the big hit was uh, Amish Paradise on Bad right. Hair. Day. Yeah. Takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best of times. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. The, it's I would say just the you know the the amazing thing. I mean, the fans are are um, are, are are very loyal and and, uh, and you know really but but the big the big thing is the demographic is just so all over the map. I can't think of any any rock and roll show where you can see people from all those different ages, you know, and all having a good time for right. For, for oh yeah, it's a guaranteed good time like, like Yeah. Yeah, there's not many not many shows you can go to where everybody from different ages can enjoy it. It's very uh, so that's why it's obviously a great show for parents to bring their kids, you know, and Huge. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your slack key guitar? For those that I'm not very informed on yeah. that style, could you just tell us a little bit about it? Well, um, technically what slack key is, is basically is, it's an open tuning. It's a Hawaiian description of open tuning. But what happened was uh, Hawaiian started, guitars first came to Hawaii um, not long after Hawaii was discovered by Captain Cook. Yeah, that would, so guitars started making their way in around 1820 or so. Um, these Spanish cowboys were hired by the king to teach the Hawaiians how to manage cattle. So they brought some guitars along and the Hawaiians, uh, they left them with the Hawaiians and the Hawaiians really didn't, you know, the, the regular Spanish tuning, you know, our E-A-D-G-B-E, -E, they, they, you know, they'd strum that and go, I don't get it. You know, what it doesn't say, <laughs> you know, what's up with that? So they would slack some of the strings down. They would slack them down to create open tunings, you know, and they called it kihoalo, which means loosen the key or slack key guitar. So there's, every family would have their own tuning, you know, they would just, oh wow, just random, there's hundreds of different tunings, you know. Um, so I discovered slack key when I went to, to Hawaii, uh, not long after I met Al, I, I went to Maui 
and I started hearing these records of slack key and it's like, hey, that, you know, just love the sound of it. And I thought it just sounds like the place, you know, and I, I didn't really, um, uh, I didn't really try and learn it right away, but it just sort of crept in. And then by the mid nineties, I was playing slack key. And, and then by, uh, you know, I, I was writing my own slack key tunes. So then around 1999, I put out my first slack key record coconut hat and, and I got a, such a great response. I just kind of, kept doing it you know but i enjoy it i mean it's a it's a very mellow sound it's not yeah. just a it's not just open tuning it's a sound you know it's a mm. it's a, me a mellow sound that is um finger style as opposed to strumming it's a finger style where you basically you're playing the bass and the melody and everything it's you know all at the same time you know so um it can be kind of challenging to to you know to get the syncopations right but it's a it's a, just a beautiful sound, and you know. And I think even if I wasn't playing it professionally, I would just be sitting on my couch playing it because it just makes me feel good. <laughs> nice, great. <laughs> I'm very intrigued. Yeah, it's, so it's a fun you, style. Do you take that? So when you recorded the record, did you do a bunch of shows in Hawaii then as well? Is that I did. the primary market for it, or are there other places where it takes off really well? Well, I mostly, um, uh, I've, I've mostly. Um, uh, played, you know, I, I played shows in Hawaii when I first, my record first came out and I, uh, uh, you know, I had never, it was funny cause I'd never really played solo shows before and I'd always played in a band, you know, and I had, uh, you know, so I booked a couple of shows at some, I think maybe borders bookstores and things like that. So I, uh, it was quite a, an experience though. Cause it was my first time playing solo, you know, where everybody's sitting around watching you and not watching right. Al or somebody else, you know? So it was, uh, you know, I definitely sweated the first few gigs, you know, it was pretty, I was pretty nervous, but, uh, but you know, I've gotten used to it over the years and now I, you know, playing solo is not a big deal. I've played in front of, you know, 1500 people solo and you know, I, I'm pretty relaxed at it now, but it was, it was, a, there was a lot of pressure at first. <laughs> Amazing. Can, can you, apart from your own album, can you recommend like an introductory album for, list, for our listeners for a slack key guitar? Well, um, you know, some of the, uh, the old, old records, um, if you can find them, Gabby Pahinui was kind of like, you know, one of the first guys ever recorded on slack key guitar because it was mostly played at home. Mm. And um, so it, uh, it's a sound that, um, uh, is very, you know, the Gabby Pahinui sound is the very traditional sound. So if you want to learn the roots of slack key, listen to somebody like Gabby Pahinui or Sonny Chillingworth, um, Ray Kane. These are the older slack key masters. And actually that, that'll give you, get you into the, the um, you know, the real old style. Now there's, there's a lot of other artists that are more of a, you know, younger generation that are uh, amazing. Kayla Beamer, anything by Kayla Beamer is, is fabulous. Ozzy Kotani is another great artist. So these are, these are a little more modern slack key. And I, and I sort of fit into that style. I, I don't really try to recreate the old original style. I kind of add my own stuff to it and I write chord progressions that might not be traditional, but I just, you know, I throw my own, my own uh, musical uh, experiences into the, into the sound too. So Sweet. Cool. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun style to play, and I you know like I say I just enjoy it. I and also the other thing I should might notice too I might mention is that open tunings for me, uh, and I I'll use a you know ten or twelve different open tunings on a regular basis. Wow. Um, I will um, 
when I discover a new tuning, I almost always, it's so inspiring because you're not, you're not, um, obviously the chord fingerings are different for every tuning. It's like a different language, right? So um, what happens is that you, uh, you're just going by your ear when you start experimenting with a new tuning. It's, you're following your ear, you know, and, and you really, it's a very, for, for me, it really, it's, it inspires a lot of creativity. You just, uh, I get inspired to write songs when I try a new tuning and I usually come up with two or three new tunes just because of the inspiration of trying this new tuning and just sort of having, finding these happy accidents and things that happen like that. Um, uh, so open tunings in general are just a really fun thing to explore and, and great for writing, you know. Yeah, I'm really intrigued. Sounds great. So real quick, we've got um, our podcast kind of centers around different ways to improve your practicing or your practice habits. Are there any, do you have any sort of practice routine? Um, maybe when it's a new song or something like that, how do you, how do you go about learning that? Or like you were saying for this upcoming tour, where you've got a lot of material to, to relearn. Right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, with Al, uh, a lot of times we're learning, not so much for this tour, but a lot of times we're learning, um, copying songs right so we mm -hmm. have to pick out parts that can be kind of difficult in a mix like if you're trying to do a cover song and exactly learn the guitar part or whatever in there it can be very uh um it can be tough because you know you got a whole mix and you're trying to pick the part out of the mix so when i'm right. doing that kind of thing um i i usually you know i have a little recording a studio at my house that's where i record my record so i will um try and uh Sometimes I might add some EQ to the to the track just to bring out the guitar part and make it sort of poke out a bit, you know, and or or use you know or just listen to the left side of the guitars on the left side. Sometimes I do things like that when I'm learning uh, a cover. Now when I'm learning, um, you know, obviously relearning the old stuff. I mean, it's sort of the same thing, but I can you know it's a little easier because I did originally play those on the record, so it's it's sort of in my brain somewhere, <laughs> you know, but. But um, some of them come back a little easier than others, I've found. But, but for, my, um, for other, you know, I don't really have a real practice routine, but I, I have a few things that I do that I, you know, to warm up, for example, the little finger exercises that I'll do to warm up, like little kind of chromatic things. And there's a few different ones that are, you know, that skip strings. And little things like that to sort of wake the fingers up before a show. Um, um, and, and in general... Um, I often, when I'm teaching slack key, I often, slack key being a solo guitar, it's really, the, the lilting rhythm is very important. So I often recommend to people to, um, when they're working on something, pick something that's small and, uh, or simple and just use a metronome or, a, or some kind of drum track, and, you know, slow it way down and just play your part really slow to that metronome or drum track, you know. <laughs> And, and it's, it's kind of boring at first, but you'll realize that you just sink into it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what it's supposed to sound like. And then you maybe bring the tempo up a bit and just keep doing that till it's really smooth. That really improves your time, you know. And, um, and for singing parts, one thing I always, you know, because we have to do a lot of vocals with Al. And one thing I recommend for singing parts is always, um, when you're learning the actual mel melody line, is always play it on something like a piano or something where the where, where the pitch is perfect, you know, right. or, a very, or a very in tune guitar, you know, so when you're learning your part, you really can hear those intervals. It's like, yeah. that's yeah. a, you know, that's a fifth, that's a third. You really know the interval because otherwise it's really easy to, 
to get off the mark there and, and just sort of it gets ingrained in your brain once you learn it wrong, you know. <laughs> so, <Sure. laughs> so you want to you want to learn it right, you know. So That's you know, great there's, yeah, there's a few things like that that I you know that I use on a regular basis, um, and um, um, you know, in practicing slack key, uh, being a finger style, um, it's it's interesting to. Uh, you know, you often just different picking patterns, like like rhythm patterns. You know, between the, the your thumb and your fingers, I use my thumb and these three fingers, and um, I also use uh, acrylic nails, which are kind of long right now. But I use acrylic. Oh yeah, um, classic. Yeah, and they there are a lot of finger style players use acrylics because they are strong, you know, and don't break. Right. But but um, you know, there's different picking patterns you can try, and if and one of the things I do sometimes is. Uh, I have a picking pattern. I'll say, okay, now I'm just going to do this pattern, but I'm not going to use my second finger. I'm going to try and do it with the first and third, you know, okay. or, okay, now I'm not going to use my first finger. I'm going to do it with the thumb and the second and third, you know, and it helps create this independence, you know, and strength Work that ring finger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just by eliminating one finger, say, okay, let's just pretend that I've got a big old cut on that finger. I can't <laughs> use it. <laughs> and that has happened to me before, but, but, all of a sudden, oh, that finger's out of commission. Now I got to let's just do my, you know, use my thumb and the second and third finger, you know. So by doing that, you know, you uh, you force your brain and your your muscles to to learn something new, and and that really helps a lot too. It's a simple little finger style exercise. I'm sure in classical guitar, there's tons of exercises that are probably, yeah, that are really really good like that, you know. Yeah. So there you have it, people. Again, the metronome. Yeah. <laughs> it's your friend. Yeah. yeah. We've we've had we had a whole episode on timing and a metronome, and we just had on uh, Ron Bumblefoot Doll, and he he definitely went on about the metronome as well. So yeah. Once more, people. Yeah. <laughs> and if a and if and if a metron a metronome can be pretty boring, but if you have a little drum machine or anything, even an app in your phone that makes different drum tracks. Those are a little more fun to play with, like something with some drums and percussion and you know, yeah. you know, something with a groove, you know. And, um, and of course, when I'm doing a lot of recording, you know, it's a lot of stuff nowadays is done to click tracks. So you're, yeah. you know, um, and, and I do the same thing. If I'm recording to a click, a, a, a grid, a fixed tempo, I'll create like a little drum track that's got a little feel to it. So I'm not just playing to click, 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 you know, that right. just mm. drives you crazy after a while. But I'll, I'll record something or use a little loop that's got a feel to it that feels good. And that's so much more fun, you know, to, to play and practice too, you know. Plus, the, you know, some of them have a little bit of a shuffle feel or, they, you know, you can really get the feel of the groove. But, um, but, but it, it definitely works. You're working to, to, to some kind of drum track or click really improves your playing, especially if you're playing solo guitar. Now, if you're playing in a band, that's the drummer's responsibility. The drummer is the boss, you know. But if you're playing solo, it's all about you, and you really um, – I just think it sounds better when it's really smooth, and you know, and the tempo is really smooth. Um, you know, it's, it's still good if the tempo is not as smooth, but it's better when it, when it is. <laughs> Perfect. Jim, yeah. we're sort of running out of time now. We no worries. Have to we're going to have to uh, to cut it short, but thank you so much for joining us. We really oh, appreciate it. I appreciate you the invitation anytime, you know. And we'll uh, next time we'll come up with some other things to talk about. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, are you on social media? Yes, I'm on uh, Facebook as Jim Jim I have a band page and also a personal page, and um, my website is www.jimkemowest.com. So all the you know all the links are pretty much there with those sites, you know. 
But um, if anybody, feel free to hit me up anytime with any. If you go to my website, there's a contact button, and you can go and you can contact me if anybody's got any questions. You can just um, hit me up anytime or on Facebook or anything like that. I'm always happy to share. And, I've, and I do have some tabs, some Slack key tabs I'm happy to, to pass along if anybody cool. wants to shoot me an email. Um, uh, you can go to Jim at jimkemowest.com, shoot me an email, and I'll, I'll send you some tabs for free, just some stuff to play around with. For some oh, time. that's so that's so sweet of you. So, so, yeah. so kind. Um, I might take you up on that. Yeah, same. <laughs> okay, sweet. well, thanks so much. All right, you guys, I appreciate it, and uh, have a great day, and um, happy, with the tour. happy playing. <laughs> sweet. And we're back. Seamless transition once again. <laughs> Very uh, nice. Yes. Um, you seemed unsure God, about it, that. We're we're back. Are are we? But are uh, we? Uh, are we? I, I I hope so. I hope so. I really do. Um, yes. What a what a gentleman. Honestly, really really nice guy. Uh, kind of just uh, just a very left field guest. You know, very unlike people we've been interviewing thus far. But just really interesting and such a colored career thing. Yeah. Also, yeah. I had no idea what the Axe Effects was until about you know a few weeks ago, uh, and wow, it's insane. He's a real uh, ambassador for it. <laughs> right. right. This episode was brought to you by Axe Effects. <laughs> Fractal, send us send us a free Axe Effects so we can plug uh, your product more. So unofficially <laughs> brought to us by by Axefx. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, God. He he was a real really big fan, and I had no idea it was so highly. You know, so so widely used by so many like big players. I think what was interesting from his perspective was just the fact that, and we've talked about these, we've talked about the Axe effects and multi effects processors, but the difference it made for his touring was huge. And the fact that no longer did he have to have a whole bunch of different vintage amps, he was like, "Hey, I'm just going to use this one thing. I'm going to plug it in and go." So take that, Joe Bonamassa. Your oh, millions back. of dollars of vintage amps and your massive roadie crew. So. <laughs> yeah, no wonder he's employing people. It's good. He's employing more roadies. <laughs> this is not an economics or ethics podcast, man. This is <laughs> us yakking about guitars. So yes, yeah. very, very. Uh, thank you very much again, Jim, for being on our show. So moving on. So John, can you give us a little bit of an idea of? what you've been working on or what you've been wanting for? Oh, yes. So last week, or was that a couple of weeks ago, talked a little bit about modes and that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I still still have students kind of coming in like, okay, so I worked on this. Like, what do you think? And again, we just need to do an episode on this, but it's, it's kind of caused me to go back, find a few songs and examples. And uh, I mentioned before, I'm still working on this Steve Vai tune. So I should... Should get that wrapped diet up. Diet to live or something. Uh, diet to live. Diet. Diet to live. Diet to live. Yeah. It's all like raw carrots and kale, basically. And <laughs> but um, yeah, go go back and listen to previous episodes to get that joke. So yeah, but it's a lot of the Steve Vai and Joe Satriani stuff has some of those modal ideas. But again, I tend to think more of modes in terms of changing things in our color tones in an arpeggio. That's probably a better way to put it. Um, but just consequently kind of recording a backing track, you know, something like here's an A minor chord. What can I play over that A minor chord? Here's how that works. And cool. 
yeah, that's about it. Now, you, given the fact that you are not in your native land, what, what have you been working on? <laughs> well, we are, due to the, uh, um, the magic of foresight, we are recording this in the past, but giving it to you in the future. And um, one, one thing I wanted to, I wanted to uh, shed some light on was a few weeks back, I said that I was going to try out this uh, 30 minute guitar endurance workout on the Art of Guitar YouTube channel. And uh, basically what it is, is it's nothing to do with harmony or, uh, you know, musicality. It's, it's mostly, mostly just technique, 30 minute technique workout. Love it. And oh. I have to say that I really liked it. Uh, I was a bit feeling a bit of the burn a little bit. It did everything. It's like alternate picking. It did a bunch of spider techniques. But I found that with those uh, technique exercises in the past when I've tried to do them, I never really knew I'd always spend too much time on one thing or I'd always mm -hmm. get a bit like anxious about how much time to dedicate to each thing. So this one is designed for 30 minutes, a bunch of different exercises. Uh, he does it at a certain BPM. You know, you're encouraged to do it at a different one if you if you're maybe a bit more of an advanced player but i think everybody can get something out of it and i really liked it it was just a if you've got 30 minutes and you know you want to work on your technique in some way like it even ends with a little bit of sweeping like really slow sweeping and cool. yeah I, I thought it was really really good and just a nice way of because you know it, it's there and it's 30 minutes and what you're what you're finishing even if you only do one of them in a day and you do nothing else it, it i can really see regular practice of it would lead to better playing so yeah we should link that in the show notes i will send that on that would be great yeah, yeah so apart from that uh, what have you have you been listening to anything new or have you been um i have been listening to tommy emmanuel and david grisman okay is, i know the first one yeah I first so one. i actually had never heard of david grisman but just listening to tommy emmanuel and David Grisman is a mandolin player, primarily. I guess he does other things like banjo and stuff, too. Okay. But he's sort of, he's a bluegrass player, or new grass, I guess, depending upon your perspective of things. I've Whatever. never heard that term before. Oh, yeah. Well, like Nickel Creek would be like new grass, yeah. for example. Um, but the David Grisman sort of looks like what you expect a bluegrass mandolin player to look like. If he was, you know, from Kentucky. In Named David Grisman, which yeah. is very close to David Grizzly Man. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's mostly bald on top but with really long hair and a giant beard. and That's what but, I, that's all I want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, he's from New Jersey, so go figure. But huh. it, for, anyway, the album is called Pickin'. It came out earlier this year. Fantastic stuff. It does have a bit of a bluegrass vibe to it but there's just some absolutely insane guitar playing on there and mandolin playing since, and it's just perfect for kind of the, um, you know, good, like Saturday morning kind of it's, it's not lazy music, but it's sort of like, Hey, let's get up and we'll kind of get moving, but we're not going to go too fast because it's, you know, Saturday morning. I'm going to check that out right after that. Sounds really great. Tommy yeah. Emmanuel and Bluegrass, I'm sold. You're that sounds in, done, sold. And now what about you? So before you listen to Tommy Emmanuel, what, uh, what have you been listening to? So there's another podcast that I really like. It's called No Encore. And it's by a bunch of ex-writers from this really 
It used to be a really popular Irish magazine called Hot Press, but it's, you know, print is a dying form, right. <laughs> dying media. So they've gotten together and they started a podcast. And one of their things they do every month is they'll take a year in history, for example, like 1988 or whatever, a big year in Irish music, and they'll talk about four or five albums. And the last one they did was about 1981, and they talk about Acton Baby and a few other mm. things but they also talk about this album by my bloody valentine called loveless um, i don't know if you know my bloody valentine oh yeah of course yeah I'm, I'm not that familiar with them. my dad used to really like them um but that album i've kind of been living in that for uh, the last couple of days and it's it's just re- it's just man you can see what it, it basically coined the term shoegaze like it's crazy yeah. Um, and you know they they never release the lyrics so it's kind of up to you to figure out what she's saying no <laughs> Yeah, so I really like that. And just the tone, it's just so out mm. there. Like, I don't know, I, I need to start checking out some YouTube videos, some live footage, because I have no idea how they're able to do that. It's so interesting. I, yeah, I'll have to check that out too. That sounds amazing. I, I mean, I've, I've heard of them, and I've had a few students kind of roll through with, that have been influenced by them, but I, I never got that much into them. So just picture, like, you know, a wall of, you know, sound made by pedals and fender jazz masters and that's it's but it's you know it's really 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 interesting and they're hugely influential and they're like you know that album is always in the top five best irish albums you know by various publications so yeah my bloody valentine as far from shred as you can possibly go but definitely worth a listen there you go yes so in the next coming weeks we have uh chris zupa we've got gretchen men we've got plenty of people that we've been talking to and plenty of more conversations about the thing that is the guitar, the thing we should be spending more time on. Uh, yeah. John, have you anything else to say to the viewers? Thank you for all the new likes and subscribes, by the way. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Do please, please share, send us, send reviews, send us emails, whatever. But yeah, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't already found us there, those are great places to leave reviews, helps the podcast grow. And yeah, it helps people find us. And also, yeah. like, if everybody tells two friends, you know, I don't know how many people that is, but it's it's more than two. So, yeah, yeah more people would be great. We do have a Patreon page. We're still working on some ideas for exactly what to do with all of that. But we do have a few things up for you already if you are interested. And coming into the new year, I think we've got more plans, some interesting, some different ideas, maybe some guitar boot camps trying to work out what that might look like. <clears throat> yeah, maybe an ebook as well. Uh, John, ah, in the ebook. That's right. Thank you. Yes, John so, mentioned that he uh, recently listened to, he heard the statistic that most podcasts don't get past 13 episodes, and we're over double that. Yeah, so take look at us. that. Yeah, this is, yeah. I believe, episode 32. Yeah, 31. maybe this isn't a complete waste of time. 32 yeah. or 33. I don't know. It's in the past, but now it's the future. Who knows? <laughs> uh, everybody, we'll see you next week. Thank you for being so class and listening to us and giving us your sweet, sweet ears. Uh, but until then, stay sharp.